Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hey, welcome into another edition of At The Turn. Joe and Nick with you, as always. Nicholas, how are you today? You look you look very cozy in your uh, surroundings there. What's going on? Is that, is that a big bear behind you? It is. It's, it's a big bear. You know, we've got this guest room that I, like, never used. And then I just sat in the bed earlier today, and I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Like, <laughs> I'm going to do my podcast from here. This might be my new podcasting rooms. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm really digging it. Guest beds are pretty underrated because you don't sleep in them, and so you're like, oh, this is this is so good. As a matter of fact, that happened one time. We we were in the guest room, and I laid on the guest bed, and I was like, oh, this this is incredible. I liked it so much, we actually switched beds. <laughs> and then like two weeks later, I made Lacey switch it back because oh, I hated it so much. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Pretty typical stuff. Well, we have a lot of golf to talk about. We're going to get to Bryson. He's become a regular on At The Turn. But, Nick, let's start with pretty much the reason we have a podcast, and that is one Eldrick Tiger Woods. A lot of Tiger news this week. Oh, my God. He's finally playing. Joe, obviously, you called it. You've, you've known this was the week for months that he's coming back, and it's finally happening. And tomorrow's Monday. We're only a few days away from Tiger teeing it up in a PGA Tour event. Um of course, we all want him to win, and uh, I don't know. I just, I just can't wait to watch golf again. Yeah. So the Workday Charity Open just happened, and they play that at Muirfield, which is where they're playing the Memorial because they have that there every year. I think I saw it's like the first time in seventy years they're playing on the same course in consecutive weeks on the PGA Tour. So that's interesting. Yeah, Tiger loves the Memorial. He plays well there. I guess I'm a little bit surprised that he didn't play in this event, the Workday, because it's at a golf course that he dominates. Does that surprise you a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the whole reason they're having two tournaments in a row at the same course is so guys can play in both without having to travel. So, and I get that not everyone is, it's not the exact same field, but um, yeah, why not go? I mean, What's the difference between the two tournaments? I know they're going to try to set up the course differently, but there's only, there's not eight completely different setups you can have. So if you're going to play in the Memorial, then why not play in both? So it just doesn't really make sense that you wouldn't just play in both. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Hey, as they say, Tiger moves the needle. So I'll be excited to see him tee it up again. And as you pointed out, 
before we started recording, there's a major in a couple weeks, Nick. The major season's about to kick off. Here we are in mid-July. It's supposed to be over. And it's going to start, so what, the PGA Championship is in early August? These are your people. Yeah, August 6th through 9th. The, uh, the, the best field in all of golf. The strongest field in golf. Can you, can you give me like the hard sell for 20 seconds on why that's true? Well, it's the only all professional field. Every other major, there's, there's, there's amateurs qualifying. In the Masters, you've got like 55 players teeing it up. Uh, um, yeah, so, so that's, sure. that's absolutely. Yeah, okay. So you're saying because they stick 30 club pros in there, they're all professionals and that's why it's the best, the best field well, in golf. It's 20. Oh, sorry. Pros. And yeah, they're all professionals and, you know, you can't just say like, I'm going to work on my golf game and then qualify for the PGA championship. You could, you could qualify for the U S open. You could get into the other majors. Boy, I never thought of it that way. I could. So really I have no chance of completing the grand slam. Me not being a pro just eliminates me right away. You know what? Just get the first three and then go through the PGA program. Look, <laughs> then I, I feel like the PGA should make an exception if I win the other three majors as an amateur and I have no chance to win the PGA. Would that ever happen? Could I write somebody? Well, I think if you won the first three as an amateur, you could just turn professional and you'd have enough status to get to get in. Sure. That, would be, the, that majors, would be the play, Joe. That would be the play. Yeah. If I'm winning majors, maybe I consider a career in professional golf at that point. Um, yeah. Go work so, at a pro shop. <laughs> We mentioned the Workday Charity Open. We are recording this on Sunday afternoon. I guess they had an early start. I don't know. I've been out golfing all day, so I didn't really pay attention. But Colin Morikawa beat Justin Thomas in a playoff, and we both came up with the same stat because we both follow Justin Ray on Twitter. Um, pretty incredible. Do you want to lay it on the people? Yeah, so Colin Morikawa now has two PGA Tour wins, and he's missed just one cut in his career. And in the last 30 years, only two players have done that. Now, I know there's an obvious answer who everybody would guess the other player might be, but it's not John Daly. <laughs> it's Tiger Woods. Colin Morikawa, Tiger Woods. Joe, the part of this stat I didn't have in my notes, how many times did Tiger win before he missed his second cut? Yeah. So the little addendum to that stat, which is really the best part of this. So Colin Morikawa... Perhaps he'll get another win before he misses another cut, and that will be really good. Tiger won 43 times before he missed his second cut as a professional golfer. When you hear stats like that, he's so far beyond everybody else. Like, I'd love to know in the history of golf, like, okay, Jack Nicholas, when he missed 10 cuts as a pro, how many wins did he have at that point? You know, Arnold Palmer, when he missed 50 cuts as a pro, how many wins did he have at that point? Tiger's, Tiger didn't miss a cut for like seven years. That's one of the best streaks, maybe the most one of the most underrated records in sports. Yeah, because all the best golfers, yeah, you have an off week. Like there are no golfers that don't miss cuts over the course of a season, right? And Tiger did it for seven consecutive years. Like at Phil Mickelson's peak, he's still missing a half dozen cuts a year because he's Phil Mickelson. DJ misses cuts all the time. Rory all misses the time. Cuts. It's not even news when those guys miss cuts. No. And it was so funny because I was watching – what was it? I think I was watching, like, highlights of the 1999 or 2000 PGA Championship, and Tiger hadn't won a major for 
like four majors had gone by and Tiger hadn't won one, and they were calling it a slump. That's that's, <laughs> that's the, the level that we were expecting with Tiger back then is when he didn't win a major for like two consecutive years, it was deemed a slump, which is why it was so incredible that he was able to win the Masters last year. But I digress. Nick, did you see the big Tiger news this week beyond him playing? No. So the book that came out a couple of years ago, I'm pretty sure it was just called Tiger that had all this. Yeah, Tiger's scathing, called Tiger Woods. Called Tiger. Oh, perfect. Of course, it's his name. Had all the scathing details about Tiger and his pop and the weird sex house that Earl had going on <laughs> and the twisted relationships that he had in his life. All the all the salacious, scandalous stuff that we had with Tiger Woods was in that book. Well, it is being made into a documentary. And, Nick, it's going to come out this year, in the year 2020. I mean, is it's on HBO. Is anybody going to see it? If a documentary airs on HBO, does it actually exist? Okay, look. Just because you and Ashley don't have HBO doesn't mean other people don't have HBO, man. Do you have HBO? Hell yeah. What? Yeah. How much does it cost? It's too much. I'll tell you that much. Can it's I, definitely too much. Can I just get it like for a month, watch the series, and then and then cancel it? Or is it like a yearly thing? I think you gotta, we can, we can dig into this off the podcast. But take this I, offline. God, I was trying so hard not to say that because that's what everyone says now. Um, yeah, I think you have to have a big sloppy package to get HBO. You can probably get it a la carte, man. I mean, you, you can get all these subscription services by themselves now. I'm gonna be hitting you up in, in December for your yeah. HBO password. I'm gonna need you to watch this because it's gonna be December. <laughs> There's not going to be any golf going on. This is going to be great at-the-turn content, the Tiger Woods documentary. Yeah, I can't wait. That, that's going to be incredible. So one thought I had on this and a question I want to pose. Mm-hmm. First of all, Tiger is not going to be involved in this documentary, obviously. He wasn't not. involved in the book. But I was thinking about this. So did you watch The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary? Oh, yeah. Okay. Having watched that, and I loved it. Would you have enjoyed a 10-episode documentary about Michael Jordan and the Bulls where Jordan wasn't involved, where you don't hear from Jordan, but it's about Jordan? Because that's Well, different. It's, it's different. And I think, I mean, we're going to hear from Tiger. They're going to have clips of his interviews that he's, that he's given. But the thing with The Last Dance is it felt like Jordan was running it because he he invited them into his home. He was running. He was doing this like probably two or three day interview based on the number of outfits he was wearing. The producers would show him the other interviews and get his reaction on the iPad, which I thought was kind of an inner, a new way of interviewing somebody. So I felt like Jordan kind of almost had final cut on like what did and didn't get put in the documentary. So from that perspective, I want the raw version of Tiger's life. And I think that even if Tiger allowed them into his home, he's still going to be, the camera anyways, where he's reserved and he's, you know, very polished. So I don't think we're going to get like raw tiger either way. So it doesn't bother me that he's not, you know, behind the whole thing. I think it's going to be better because he's not involved because when tiger's involved, it's going to be very vanilla. It's going to be tiger friendly. And not that I necessarily want something that is going to like put tiger in a terrible light, but if you're going to do a documentary based on this book, which tiger wasn't involved in, and this, the the whole idea of this book is okay. How did Tiger Woods become Tiger Woods? You know, what was the mm-hmm. path? 
what were the things and events in his life that kind of made him a the best golfer ever and b big asshole for most of his life until he kind of turned it around. Um, his lack of involvement in this documentary, I think, is going to make it better. Someone who is prominently involved in this documentary is Rachel Yucatel, who is the woman who is basically <laughs> the impetus for all of this going down, the golf club with Elon, the car getting crashed, all that stuff. So she is going to be interviewed. Stevie Williams is going to be interviewed, of course. Oh, I'm sure. What is Who's next? Haney? And no, this one's even better. So – you know the college girlfriend that they reference in the book where it seemed yeah. like that was Tiger's? She is going to be in this documentary, which I am excited for. Wow. Yeah. Nick Faldo's going to be involved, which, you know, I'll still watch it. But those those <laughs> other three, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very excited to see this documentary. And what's interesting about it is it's almost going to be – I'm curious to see if they talk about – because the book was released in, I think, the fall of 18, right? So, like, a month after that book is released, Tiger kind of comes back. He wins, wrap around to the next spring. He's winning the Masters. So I'm curious to see if they actually, like, make an addendum to the book and say, okay, here's what happened after this. You, yeah. You, you Don't do a documentary on a guy who just won the Masters and not include that in the documentary. So you think that's going to be prominently featured? They're not just going to focus on the book. They're going to yeah. talk about that as well. I think they're going to use all the stuff from the book, you know, to tell the story, but the story doesn't end before he won his fifth Masters. Sure. Well, let me ask you this now. Now, are, are are we at a point where the 2019 Masters is the comeback and basically let – me, let, me, let me phrase it this way. Is there anything Tiger can do where you would look at his legacy differently now that he won the 2019 Masters? Like, does it matter if he wins five more majors or not? I don't think it does. Yeah, it totally does. The things that he can do – so five more majors, if you think about that right now, that's a whole other career that he's having after this whole downfall. So the Masters that he won was a nice comeback story, and it's a nice culmination of that of that comeback. But if he goes on to win five more majors, that's a whole other chapter in the book. That's a whole other second half of his career. That's Jordan after he comes out of retirement and wins three more championships. Isn't that kind of if Jordan won a championship with the Wizards? No. It's no way. If he won five more majors, you're comparing that to a championship with the Wizards? Yeah, because it's so unexpected. Tiger continuing on and winning more majors, I think, would be – that many would be surprising. I guess I guess my point is I already view him as the greatest golfer ever, and anything else that he's going to do is going to put the distance between him and Nicholas and Snead even more, but it doesn't really matter to me. He's done everything he needs to do to show to me that he is the greatest golfer ever. He's beating better fields than Nicholas ever did. He's done things like we talked about the cut streak. He's done things that Nicholas never did. I just don't – to me, 18 is is the number, but in some ways it's somewhat arbitrary. Tiger winning four more majors, five more majors, it would not change his legacy in my opinion. It'd be fun. It'd be fun if he had this whole run in his 40s where he's – taking on DJ and taking on Justin Thomas and Rory and those guys. I really want to watch that. But if he kind of morphs into the elder statesman, gets four or five more PGA Tour wins, maybe throw in a PGA Championship or something, which I kind of think is where he's going to kind of end up, Yeah. then it's not really going to change anything for me. No, that's that's not going to change anything for sure. But m moving on. I mean, who doesn't want to see Tiger win five more majors? I mean, I, 
I think we all do, man. Can we can we talk about a couple of guys who uh, could be winning majors for the next twenty years? Sure, I know you've been chomping at the bit to get to this. Go ahead. Yeah, I, enough Tiger talk. We got to get to Brooks and Bryson. <laughs> <laughs> Since we last recorded, Bryson DeChambeau won the Rocket Mortgage Rocket Mortgage Classic. Um, before I get into some of the stats that Bryson has been putting up since his, since the quarantine bombs, the, the Brooks and Bryson rivalry is continuing, which is exactly what we all need. So have a short timeline from the last week here, July 5th. That's when Bryson won the rocket mortgage classic July 7th. Brooks Kepka posts this really awesome tweet, just kind of ambiguous of Kenny powers, Responding to steroid allegations. <laughs> did you see this? I did. Yeah, it's pretty great. With no comment, no caption, nothing. Just, just none needed. Kenny, exactly, none needed. On July 9th, two days later, Paige McKenzie from Golf Channel uh, publicly said that Brooks Kepka should be fined for mocking Bryson, which is the worst take ever because this Brooks Bryson quabbling is. Probably the best thing. It's the most entertaining thing in golf right now. Um, if I may and, interject real quickly, yes. I ne- so they have. She's on Morning Drive, which is like the Golf Channel version of like their. It's it's like the Golf Channel Morning Show, right? Yeah. And it's pretty it's pretty dry. I never watch it. Somehow, by some miracle, I was watching it the exact moment where Paige McKenzie responded to Brooks Kepka's criticism of her. Basically saying like, what the hell are you doing? And he said something to the effect of, I don't think about Paige McKenzie. This doesn't matter. Who the hell is Paige McKenzie? (laughs) (laughs) And I saw her respond and she took like such a high roadie backpedal answer. It's like, if you are going to put something out there about Brooks, you have to stand. That's the first rule of being a talking head in sports media is if you take a position that you don't believe in or you know is going to be unpopular, you have to stand by it because you can't say something like that and not expect blowback, especially from someone as social media savvy as Brooks Kepka. It was gutless. I did not like it. Good for Brooks. I love Brooks. So later on July 9th, Golf Digest. This was Thursday of the uh, of the tournament this week, and they apparently posted a photo of him like frustrated on a tee box, like with his head in his hands or something, Brooks. just kind of like distraught. Yeah, Brooks. And they just said, "Caption this photo." And Brooks went on to the photo of himself and captioned it. When you hear that annoying voice on TV and look up and see it's Paige McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So this Brooks versus Bryson kind of one. drama that Brooks was starting turned into <laughs> Brooks versus Paige McKenzie, which is awesome. Um, it, it's been fun to watch this Brooks. I, I hope he just continues this social media persona of I don't care. Yeah, which is great because he's he's already accomplished. He's in this really cool position where he's already accomplished enough as a golfer in his career to basically – just give everyone the double bird who criticizes him. Dude's got four majors. He can say and have any take and do whatever he wants. He, There is no one in his generation, besides Rory, who has as many majors as him. And so literally no one has any leg to stand on when criticizing Brooks Kepka. And you'll see, I've seen Brooks talk about Rory before, and he talks about Rory with respect. But he won't do that with Bryson, which is fun. Now, I don't... 
I don't think Brooks is a malicious guy. I think he has a lot of fun with this. He doesn't strike me as someone who, like, really gets upset at Bryson. I just think he's a super bro. He doesn't look at golf the way other people do. And I think that makes him a very interesting character. And Bryson is, they're both sort of fringe characters in golf, but in totally opposite ways, right? Exactly. Bryson (laughs) does his thing because he's very highly analytical and scientific and technical. Brooke is a total bro. He mashes it. He wins majors. He dates models. Neither of them are like the prototype professional golfer. They're both the anti-Jordan Spieth, but in very different ways. And you're right. It is very cool that they're linked together, even though it is in a very antagonistic relationship. Yeah, they couldn't be more opposite, which is why it's fun that they're kind of both peaking at the same time. I took a peek at the official world golf rankings today. Brooks Kepka, number six. Bryson DeChambeau, number seven. So <laughs> <laughs> I know that doesn't mean anything. It's all about the majors, but it's it's still fun to watch that. So um hopefully i mean it, it will be fun of bryson i'm a bryson fan i'll admit it. I, I i like watching him i think it's fun i think it's interesting um it, it'd be fun if he got a major or two and and uh kind of heat up the conversation a little bit but joe i i have some some stats on bryson since the return to golf great so he played in four tournaments in 2020 before the shutdown four tournaments since the shutdown his first four before the shutdown so out of 16 rounds, he had 14 rounds of 68 or higher and two rounds of 67 or lower. Since then, he's got nine consecutive rounds in the 60s and 13 of his 16 rounds have been 67 or better. Only three over 68 or higher. Yeah, I saw his aggregate was something crazy. It's like 54 under par or something like since the return. It is, and he he really hasn't gone low. I think maybe his lowest round since the return, I don't have this, is like 64 or 65. But he's basically just lowered par. So he's not going to go like super low, like shoot 63 one day and and 71 the next day. He's just going to shoot 65, 66 every day. Well, that's what that's what Tiger did in his heyday, right? Like Tiger was so dominant on the par fives that he was basically teeing it up on a par 68 every day. And And that's what Bryson has done. It is fascinating to watch him play golf. I I texted you. It's like I, I, I watched him play in Detroit. I don't like it, but I can't stop watching it because it's I've, a never, train wreck. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's so crazy. And the man can't hit a short iron, which is bonkers. Like he stands up there with a wedge. And if he puts it within 30 feet, it's like a decent shot. But he's coming into par fives, and he's under 75 yards like every single time. I, I, I was watching him in Detroit, and it was some stat like he hit the driver nine times, and the shortest one was like 317 or something insane like that. He And he's hitting the ball so straight. like his There's no curve to the ball at all. He has hacked power in golf. It's, it's, it's fascinating to watch. I don't enjoy it, but I can't stop watching it's it's so different and it's it's just interesting to see his crazy cooked up theories actually actually translating to low scores in golf. They I read an article. Worked. I read an, or, an article that he broke the shot link on the PGA Tour because it, it essentially counts every shot within I don't know the, the 
lands within 50 yards of the green as an approach shot. And my, that 50 yard number could be on, it could be 30. I, I forget what it is. So, but all of his tee shots that are coming that close to the green, they're counting those as approach shots. So his like approach shot stats are way off when they're really just his, his tee balls. Yeah. On like 400 yard par fours. Yeah. Bryson is screwing up the game of golf <laughs> one tee shot at a time. Uh, look, it's incredible. I hope by the, if you're listening to this and the memorial has started, I hope Jack Nicholas was smart enough to pair Bryson and Brooks together because that would be awesome. That would be incredible. That's what we need. I think Bryson is just going to have a bunch of top tens pretty much every week, maybe one or two wins. I don't think he's going to dominate in the wins category. I just think he's going to be, you know, mid sixties every round. An ATM, just a cash machine out there. Exactly. Do you have any more Bryson stats? Because I have a Bryson thing for you. No, I don't. So, I don't know if you caught this, but it was a bit of a story earlier in the week, before he won on Sunday at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. uh, He confronted a cameraman. So, Bryson, I believe, was in a bunker. And he hit a bunker shot. Didn't like it. Didn't. Didn't like the results of that bunker shot, Nick. And uh, he was very vocal. He was animated about what happened. And as cameras are wont to do, they follow professional golfers. And if one is having a very overt reaction, perhaps the camera will linger on them even longer. So this cameraman had his lens pointed at Bryson DeChambeau during this, I'm not even going to call it an incident. He's just a golfer getting pissed at a bad shot. Between the time Bryson holed out and walked to the next tee box, he confronted the cameraman and witnesses say kind of went off on him, basically saying, you shouldn't be doing this. When asked about it after the round, Bryson said, it's bad for our brand. They shouldn't be showing us reacting to bad shots in that fashion. Yikes. It's not good. It's awful. It's, it's horrible. What, what does he, what does he think that like they should just be controlling the media to the fact that like this is live professional sports. Like there's a reason why live professional sports are interesting. And it's not because guys are protecting their brand. It's because they're out there making their livelihood with every shot and they're putting everything into it and like it's raw. So, and, and he's a guy. I'm not surprised by that reaction by him, but it's just so, like, he understands, like, he's always, every interview, he's like, oh, I just put everything into this, I just just care so much, you know, like, so so why do you care if people see how much you care? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Bryson has gotten into Patrick Reed territory yet, but he's much closer to Patrick Reed than I would have thought two years ago he is not popular among american players like when he was picked was he picked or did he make the team last year i can't remember i don't i bet he made it he probably made it on his own steam but i know that tiger was very interested in bryson and tiger and bryson kind of have this kinship which is probably part of the reason why the other younger players like the cool kids of Ricky and JT and those guys kind of have to ingratiate themselves with Bryson because Papa Tiger has given him the seal of approval. But 
man, I get that like the robotic analytic stuff is what made Bryson where he is and great. And that probably translates to all aspects of his life. So he probably can't switch that off. And that's probably why this reaction came. And I'm with you. I'm not surprised that this happened at all. But the more this stuff piles up, the Brooks-Bryson thing, I think most people are probably going to side with Brooks because he's cool. And Bryson, <laughs> he is. I mean, look, do you will you, will you will you concede me that, that Brooks is cool? Brooks is He's cool. He's a million times cooler than Bryson. There's, there's no doubt about that. Nobody's okay. making that argument. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I didn't say that you were. I guess what I'm saying is people are gonna, I think, have a natural tendency to gravitate toward Brooks because he wins majors. He's cool. He dates a hot model. All that kind of stuff. Whereas Bryson, you know, he's got the paperboy cap. He gained all this weight. He's very strange. <laughs> he looks he's like a sideshow. He's, he's exactly. He is a sideshow, and it's really fun, but. I don't know. I'm not going to worry about Bryson. I'm not going to lose any sleep over him. I know Paige McKenzie isn't either, so we shouldn't we shouldn't worry about Bryson too much. Do you have anything more on the uh, the B boys? No, other than I just I just hope they can both continue to be relevant, so this rivalry will be relevant. I agree. Um, I want to ask you one question, but before we do, I have to ask you another question. Um, Nick, are your yardages dialed in right now? They're always dialed in. Yeah, you're just you're just stuffing those shots, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I know, I know the swing is 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 improved, but you probably also have something else helping you, do you not? Precision Pro. Uh, that go that's all we need. Precision Pro. So, folks, it's time to get a rangefinder. Ditch the watch. The watch is 2019. We're in 2020. Time to incredible deals of Precision Pro Golf. Use the code at the turn. You're going to have savings. You can get a very $20. modestly priced. How much? Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars off. We're giving them away. Everything must go. PrecisionProGolf.com. Get yourself a rangefinder. Use that code at the turn. Nick, I saw you post something on Twitter from the At The Turn account today. I did. So you want to tell me about that? I played, I played 18 holes of golf this morning, and two of the most bizarre incidents I've ever experienced on a golf course I experienced within a 60-minute span this morning. I can't wait. So Monday mornings at work, I have super early mornings. I'm out the door by like 3.45, 4 a.m. Oh, and so God. Sundays, my new routine is to get up when the sun comes up, go play golf super early. So that way, Sunday night, I'm tired. I can sleep well. So otherwise, I'll never fall asleep. I'll get like two hours of sleep, whatever. So this morning, I get up, tee off at 5.30 a.m., first one out there. It's going great. I play this nine-hole course, um, and I'm going to play 18 holes. So I'm on the fifth hole, and I hit my tee shot in the fairway. And there's another ball like 15 yards up also in the fairway uh, on the right side. And so I hit my shot, and I'm going like, to check out this other ball. And I check it out, and, it, and it's a it's got an at-the-turn logo on it. And I'm like, whoa, oh, I must have just hit the wrong ball. It's super early. Okay. So I'm like, just in case, provisionally, I hit this ball. Now, now both shots ended up within a yard of each other just in front of the green. And I'm like, okay, so now it doesn't matter which one was my real ball because they're in the same spot. So there's no like advantage either way. I go up to them. 
they're both Vice 4 with at the turn logo. Whoa. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't lost a ball out this, out of this course in a few weeks. I actually gave two of these balls to a, a guy I played with earlier in the week, like on Tuesday. And, um, it was because he was like, Hey, how do you like those vice balls? And I was like, you know, well, why don't you try it out for yourself, you know, and, you know, give it a go. That's the only thing I could think of that, that this guy just abandoned one in the, in the middle of the fairway. Wow. The exact dude. ball that I was playing. Were you a little freaked out because it, that early? You, I mean, you, you got to be out there by yourself, right? Uh, by myself, nobody in front of me. Yeah. When I got to the second one, I was like, I think I would have noticed if my ball didn't have a big green at the turn logo on it, but maybe yeah. I just didn't, you know. And then I just wow. saw them both, and I'm like, oh my god. Wow. Both both fours. Yeah, it, it, it was nuts. Did you make a par? <laughs> no, I, I didn't oh, make a par. Damn it. I, tap in bogey. Okay, sure. Yeah. Easy five. Easy, easy five. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just gonna carry carry on, and, and hopefully you've got one you can respond with too. But no, so I'm ready for this. This is what I've been waiting for. Is this story? Uh, Let's well, go. Well, so I'm going up nine, and anybody who plays a nine hole course and tries to play 18, especially as a single, you know the feeling on the ninth hole. All you can do is look at the first tee box right over there. Who's teeing off? Are people approaching the tee box? Do I need to hurry and get in front of them? I don't want to be stuck behind some group. So that's all I'm thinking about. And marching off the tee box down into the fairway is like at least six golfers. And I'm like, oh, shit. You've got to be kidding me. It's like 6.45 a.m. I'm like, God, I should have played five minutes faster or whatever. But I'm like, all right, I'll get through them on the second hole. No big deal. So second hole, I'm waiting for them, whatever. Third hole is a par three. I'm like, great. They're going to let me through here. They don't let me through. Now I'm like intentionally not hitting into them, but keeping like right on their ass. Cause I'm like, this is ridiculous. I get to the next tee box. There's eight of them. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm walking up to the tee box and the guy says to me, Hey, uh, sorry, sorry for any delay. Do you want to join up with us? <laughs> Are you on crack? I'm like, I'm like, no, I, I don't want to join up with you. And he's like, yeah, man, like, you know what? There's a two of them ahead of us, and like, they're really not good. And like, so we, I apologize for any delay, but we're playing as fast as we can. <laughs> so I'm just like, this guy has clearly no idea what's going on. I have, I, I would not be a good playing partner with these eight other people right now. So I just, I just laid off and just stewed by myself for the last five holes. So you were behind an eight-some. An eight-some. How does that happen? How did they get so on the golf course? It was so that they couldn't they, – they didn't understand the concept of, like, letting anybody play through who was right behind them or nothing. Absolutely clueless. How old were these people? All ages. There was there was a, a – <laughs> the ninth person in this group was a, was a toddler – like a, probably a three-year-old. <laughs> the toddler wasn't playing, but it was the ninth person. Uh-huh. Everybody else was probably thirties or forties, and then there was—I think there was a grandma somewhere floating around too. <laughs> There's three so, generations of ignorance. So, okay, when you, when you when you walked up, just one person responded to you. Did anyone else like even acknowledge your existence? No. No, he just said he just said he blamed the people behind me, and he goes. They're playing the blue tees, and they didn't even hit their tee shot past the forward tees. I'm like, I'm like, 
I was just so mad I couldn't respond, but I'm like, bro, that's not the problem. <laughs> wow. I mean, okay. The best golfer in that group, what do they shoot? 55 for nine holes. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was, it was like watching an ant farm because always people moving around and like always like somebody slicing one across the fairway or chunking one and, I, I found these huge divots, like the size of a, a cell phone, like <laughs> five yards apart, like up the fairway for the rest of the round. It was just, it was unbelievable. So, okay. I, I did post a picture and you can, you can see almost all of the golfers. And then there's a cart behind some trees. It's got two more, two more players in it. I mean, it was just, it was unreal. So did you think about quitting? No, I did not think about quitting. I just thought about skipping ahead because there was there was like a, a shortcut i could have skipped two holes and gotten ahead of them but i i wanted to get my 18 holes in yeah i hear you i just you, i just got post. some extra chipping and putting practice you know i just i gave them like 10 minutes after a couple holes and just you know hit some putts and, and just whatever you know there is nothing worse than not letting someone play through ever like, I will let someone, regardless of how, if it's a really busy day and it's all foursomes and there's a single or a twosome and they approach us, I will offer to let them play through with the caveat of, hey, it's pretty stacked up here, but if you guys want to go ahead, you know, yeah. go ahead. You're not, you're not going to get anywhere, but yeah. And that's the thing. I didn't think, cause I've never asked to play through, but I've never had to ask. And so I walked up, like, assuming they were going to be like, oh, sorry, there's, you know, a whole freaking school classroom of us here. Like, go, go ahead through. And I was just so shocked when he's like, hey, man, do you want to join up? That, I mean, maybe, well, you said they started as a sixum, so maybe there was a twosome, and then they joined up to become an eightsome. He said, maybe he, the did. He, said he joined up with a twosome, and they, uh, the sixum became eight. Nick, what is, is, it, is this the course you always play? What the hell's going on over there? I, I do not know. Did you say anything to anyone in the clubhouse? Did you write a letter? No, this is it. I'm not confrontational. And the people at the clubhouse, they, they they wouldn't they would not they would not they care. Just don't give a shit. Yeah, they would they do not give a shit. So of course it's so the, Stay the course. Hemlock Ridge, Fistdale, Mass. <laughs> Hemlock Ridge, get it together from at the turn. <laughs> well, whether or not you're playing in front of or behind an eightsome, you can still be dialed in with your yardages. Go to precisionpro.com. Get yourself a rangefinder. At the turn is the promo code. Nick, I don't have anything anything more. I thought you had a, I thought you had an experience you wanted to share. The strangest things that happened to you on a golf course. Oh, what's the strangest thing that happened to me on a golf course? Yeah, this uh, this week. Okay. Oh, oh, this week. Oh, or, boy. or since we recorded last. Okay. Um, I don't think I've have I had any strange happenings in the past week. I don't know that I have. It's all pretty straightforward out there in Portland, huh? They got the guys dialed in. Yeah, I mean, look, we no no eightsomes. Um, <laughs> course course was playing a little slow today. I guess that's nothing, uh, nothing really crazy. Just a bunch of foursomes, people uh, people playing golf. Oh, okay, something strange did happen. Um, so <laughs> okay, there's this short par. Well, it's not really a short par four. It's like 280, but it's a huge dog leg, and to try to drive it. You really got to hit a very precise tee shot. So people don't really go for it. You lay up, and then you hit a pitch shot on, right? 
So the third tee box is where we're, we're done with the hole. The third tee box is close, so you can see the second green. And the group behind us, eh, they're a bit of a yokels. One guy was particularly drunk, especially for being in the second hole. So <laughs> they drive up, and he's like, I don't see my ball. Do you guys see my ball anywhere? Holy shit, I think it's in. It's in. It's in. And he's like, oh, man, your ball, your ball's right there. <laughs> So this guy assumes his, his first guess at where the ball is it certainly has to be in the hole. And then his buddy's like, no. And it was literally at his feet. And my, me and my group, we just look at each other like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? So it was an adventure having him play behind us. And then as we make the turn, we're standing on 10 tee box. And it's, it's one of those courses with a lot of elevation changes, right? So, so we're way up and the fairway's down below. But we're waiting all day. It's a very, very slow round. And this guy, you know, social distancing, times you live in, so forth, he's ripping a heater, and he walks all the way in all of our – so they all rode carts, and I walked. So we have three golf carts. He walks in front of the furthest cart, so he's now like 30 yards ahead of the tee box in our line of sight, just smoking this cigarette watching us as we tee off, kind of being weird. And I didn't really – he kind of gave the vibe like you guys are taking too long. And so we tee off to get in the carts and we have to walk by this guy. And, you know, my buddy's very affable and he was like, Hey man, sorry, you know, we're, we're waiting for the groups. And he's like, Oh no, it's a beautiful day. Take your time. So I would have rather that he would have been pissed off because the alternative, which actually was what was happening was he was just being a big old creep, like standing 30 yards ahead of us, smoking cigarettes, just being very generally strange. Now, this, of course, pales in comparison to the Aitzen that you dealt with, but this guy was a bit of a handful out there. I think this is the stuff that the segment, The Strangest Thing You've Seen on a Golf Course This Week, is all about. I, I think we keep it going. Okay, Strangest Thing I, You've Seen on a Golf Course. I, I put it out there on social media. I got a couple good responses. Uh, oh. The Corner Club, our favorite Corner bar. Club! They, they responded. And the photo evidence response is the best. I put the picture out of the eight some. They responded with a guy golfing a, driving a golf cart on the fringe of hole number 14, the long par three at U of I. <laughs> so try to get taking, trying to discover a shortcut that doesn't exist to the 15th tee box, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, Seth Pringle also responded and said that, uh, a guy waited for the green to clear on a par five from like 260 and then hit it 100 yards into the trees. But I said, I mean, who hasn't done that? So. I do, I, I, yeah, we had, I had, I had a whole day of people waiting for the green to clear from way too far away. It's all on courses where it's short par fours, par threes, and par fives. Basically, that's all this front nine was. It took us three hours to play the front nine. Oh, it was brutality. That's and it was humid. So we're just sweating, trying not to get pissed off. I just quit smoking recently. So yeah, oh, so already aggravated. A, a, a lot going on in that front nine. Um, well, apparently you got to wake up super early, so should we end this podcast? Yeah, that's it. That's pod. Okay. Thank you to your bear for joining us. You look very comfortable in that guest room right now. This is the new At The Turn podcast studio, so uh, so get used to it. I think, Joe, I don't know what you got going on next weekend, but, I mean, Tiger Woods playing the golf tournament. Unless he misses the cut, I think we should uh, rendezvous next Sunday. Yeah. I'll see you in a week, buddy. All right, man. Take care. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.